नमस्ते a little further about what exactly you'll hear but we thought we'd do a polytrackle breakdown the politics that we observed some of the social things that we observed at STLV and the political and social underpinnings of the actual updates and releases and panels that we saw and the guests that we heard so that is what this episode is going to be all about before we get to that though i'd like you to know that i and barry are proud to be members of the tricorder transmissions network You can follow our podcast on Polytrex uh, at Twitter. That's P-O-L-I-T-R-E-K-S. Same thing on Facebook. You can also support us on Patreon if you feel so kind on patreon.com slash the tricorder transmissions. And finally, you can follow me on at gutter underscore hero on Twitter. I just am so, so thrilled. especially while i record this because stlv 2018 for me personally was incredible it was one of the best convention experiences i've had and i've been going to conventions since i was a kid so there's a tall list there to pull from but it was a great time for me i firstly would like to thank jamie mcgregor who is joining us today on our podcast as a guest he's one of the smartest coolest people out there and he's a fan of the show and we appreciate him he also got Barry and I sweet DS9 hats Niners hats which are beautiful I might actually just put them back in the bag and just not use them till next STLV because I don't think the world deserves such richness outside of a Star Trek convention so thank you Jamie for that and thank you to every listener who met us at STLV and told us how they enjoyed the show gave us their feedback The biggest thing I realized, and I wrote this on my Twitter, is that there are people listening to the show. We thought we were screaming into the void, but knowing that there are people listening means the world to us. And it just gives us that much more impetus to keep recording. But enough about my chatter. Let's get to the actual episode. I'll see you on the other side. We're in a beautiful hotel room in the Rio recording our recap of the Khan and we are all wearing beautiful hats gifted by our new favorite friend Jamie McGregor who's a super fan and now we are his super fans so we are all Jamie heads and uh, hey and Jamie's here with Barry and we are all going to talk about this and it's going to be a great time hey Jamie how are you today man good day shashank how are things great to be with you guys for a bit of this con it's been great uh, spending some time with you and um, happy to talk all things politrex yeah it's going to be a a, a sort of the Politrex version recap of the con. Of course, Weekly Trek is going to have a other sort of more news-based recap of the con. But the point here is, is you know, having Jamie uh, come in and record with Shashank and me is great because he can give us a further perspective on some of the things we're going to be looking at. So, and a ju- third accent. I think uh, we, needed a, we needed another non-America, another non-USA I, I accent. I feel like uh, we are like a really good bar joke. We just have to walk into a bar. Yes. Yeah, right? It's just... <laughs> 
like it. <laughs> all of us brothers of the Commonwealth talking uh, in a foreign land. That's uh, right. We're going to talk about the Commonwealth Games, cricket, you yeah. know, all the kind yeah. of things that yeah. uh, US uh, yeah. people wouldn't have the foggiest clue about. Yeah. And, and it's all going to be done in the metric system. All right. Yes. So here are some of the things we're going to be looking at for you folks, and we're going to go in this order. So first of all, just a general con recap. Then we're going to move into the politicization or the political uh, underpinnings of what some of the guests' messages were and the ins and outs of that. Some of the contradictions of the con, uh, being someone uh, who has maybe certain political affiliations on any side of the spectrum, coming to a place like this, there might be some contradictions that that have come up. We're going to obviously talk about uh, Jean-Luc Picard's return, uh, just just to sort of get that moving. And finally, the idea of a lot of con-goers coming out of their shells. So let's get started with a just a general recap and starting with our illustrious guest Jamie how'd you like the con well I think it's important to know that whatever happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas it gets recorded on a bunch of podcasts and sent out around the world so that people can know what a fantastic time everyone's having uh, so we are first off completely abandoning the uh, the usual uh, Vegas uh, rules Look, yep. this, is, this has been my second convention, and and I'm a massive DS9 fan, which is why the three baseball caps we've got are the are the Niners caps. And uh, you know, this is the last day of the con, and uh, can't wait for the screening of Far Beyond the Stars this afternoon. Uh, if we're going to talk politics and and uh, politrex, then there's probably no more political or social um, you know episode that that can hold a candle to Far Beyond the Stars across the the range of, of Star Trek canon. So can't wait to see that this afternoon. And and, uh, and then the panel afterwards. So, look, it's been a, an amazing convention and, uh, you know, it, all, the, all the better for uh, hanging out with you two for a fair bit of it. Yeah, I, you know, I have to say this, this con has been an entertaining one for me. I've, this is my second as well, and it really is a sequel. A lot of great movie sequels tend to recap and rehash things that happened in the past. It's funny, actually. I went to Smash Burger and realized I was wearing the exact same outfit that I was wearing the last time I went. So that's funny. I also ordered the exact same thing. So when I look back on my pictures, I'm going to... Unless, like, thankfully, there's a timestamp on both of them, or else I wouldn't be able to tell because I have a similar haircut. Creature too. of habit. I am very much, but uh, I really like meeting meeting new people and getting back together with people who I haven't seen in an entire year and just sort of known digitally for the last little bit. It's it's great that uh, we all sort of come far afield to this place, and I can't help but but think that this is very much sort of like our church or our sort of you know gathering of uh, almost of a religious bent. You know, when when people come from all around and, and congregate in one place to unite for one singular cause. This is this is a rally. This is uh, And praise people. Yeah uh, and give exaltation to yeah. the, you know. Yeah. It's let's hang on to sanity twenty eighteen for all of us. It's, <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm very grateful to be here. I I want you both to know that first and our listeners to know that. But I did I did not get out of my shell as uh, as much as I wanted to, but I uh, I still felt like is it just me or is it like being in Riza too long? Like if every day is so filled with activity in the morning and once the sun sets, it's all down partying at Ibar and Masquerade and what have you. And we're coming off of the night of diversity, which happened last night. Yeah. And as you can hear, if you're listening closely, my voice is cracked. I still don't know if it's sunlight or uh, it's it, it's just a bright light outside. I would highly recommend flying 14 hours uh, and the rest <laughs> of this place because your body clock has no idea what time it is anyway. Yeah. So uh, what, what does it matter? I mean, there's no concept of jet lag if no one's if no one's actually keeping to the right times anyway, right? I'm, or, or, I'm, if, or if you really, really want, um, you can just uh, get sick midway through like I did <laughs> oh, come on. and uh, uh, have to take American medication, which oh. has ingredients in it that we, we foreigners aren't used to. Psychotropic drugs. Yeah, I, I, I have... 
had a trip <laughs> midway through when when they were talking to the, uh, the they had the composers panel and all of a sudden I got like dark tunnel vision because I have been running on maybe an hour and a half to two hours of sleep I've obviously been imbibing maybe more than I normally do and um, I've been running around a whole bunch and I'll, that'll so. teach you to take Ketracel white exactly uh, yeah. you need to yeah. you need to. Well, vic- victory, victory is life. To that. Thank you. On victory the other hand, life. I got to hug Rekha Sharma and Shahzad Latif, so my convention is going awesome. And uh, apart from just the entertainment of it, I was slightly bummed out that Alexander Siddiq was not going to show up. And I was thinking, you know, there might not be representation from my people. I just got a little selfish. But when I saw both of them f- at the front and center of everything Discovery, that was pretty cool for me. That was one of the highlights is getting those guys here and making them part of the celebration. Discovery's had a strong presence at the con. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, well, I, I saw some comment online about, oh, how are these people going to get uh, received? And I, I think first and foremost, every single one of them has been so delightful, either in person or on stage. That, you know, I think they've won over a lot of fans amongst the people who usually go to these cons that might not have been fans of Discovery. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have been just so, so wonderful that uh, I think I think it's been great. So to toot, to toot my own horn, I, I, I got to lead Anthony Rapp, Wilson Cruz, and uh, of course Anthony Rapp's husband as well through our Night of Diversity party and, and, and sort of be sort of a unofficial handler of them and, and just all that sort of stuff and, and just how cajoling and, and open and happy they were. We had a little space set out for them if they, if they wanted to take a break, but it ended up, they sort of ended up cornered at the, uh, the prize table and just kept talking to people and they were, mm-hmm. they were just happy. They spent about an hour with us. Then they went off to gaze in space and it sounds like they had a, a blast there as well. So it's, it's great to see um, just how incredibly active and a part of the convention the Discovery people are. And there are some people who have been a little bit upset that DS9 may be getting a little bit overshadowed by Discovery. I would say that I didn't really feel that because, like, we had the Ferengi panel, mm-hmm. which actually made me cry. Yeah. We had the uh, guest stars of Discovery panel, which warmed my heart. Like, the, all the Discovery stuff has been exciting, but all the DS9 stuff has been just so incredibly heartfelt. So I really feel like it's Personally, I think it's been been balanced myself. I don't know. Couldn't couldn't agree more. So moving on to our next bit here. Speaking of guests, I got a chance to actually speak to George Takei uh, as a as a teacher. I had a student come out to me. I won't go on to the long bit of it, but I told George, George Takei the story. He had a lot to say about it. And then Shank and I ended up getting a picture photo op on the bridge with him. We'll be posting the hilarious picture of the two of us. We, we are smiling like dummies, yeah. and George Takei looks awesome in the captain's chair. And he did recognize me when I when I approached him from the question earlier. He, he looks at me and he said, you're that teacher I was speaking to earlier. And that was ex- that was just so exciting. And, and so, but George Takei had a very politicized message. He was talking about Japanese internment. He was talking about LGBTQ rights. He was talking about, con- uh, you know, communication online, social media, and, and perhaps trying to find a new way through that with his new trade. Me app that he uses to to have sort of troll fee free communication. So, what do we think, guys, about the politicization or lack thereof, or the discouraging of it of guests? Shashank, start off. Uh, I, as someone who's a nerd of politics and whose goal with Polytrex is to make politics a part of the larger conversation, I am actually a little disappointed. And again, I don't want to be the negative Nelly on this. Uh, segment, but I feel like there there actually should be more politics. There, in a, in a way, there should be acceptance 
of the politicization of Star Trek. You can't have people like George Takei on stage talking about these things and then have Breitbart contributors in the background playing music off for, for them and then pretend like the whole thing is not political and tell them, don't make it political. Star Trek is political. That's what the show is. It's it's politics. So on the one hand, I was a little disappointed that that wasn't part of the bigger conversation, but I'm grateful that people like Josh Takei got to talk and uh, Rekha Sharma in her segment said, as a brown girl growing up, watching Nichelle Nichols on the original series and then watching The Next Generation, that she cried on stage while she was saying that. Yeah. She said, as a brown girl, I felt accepted and things like that move me and things like that you can say they are not political but just accept just accept that part and be okay with that i i wish there was more politics but for what i got i was grateful for it what about you jamie well i think it was interesting that you could kind of tell that each of the guests had been told perhaps mm-hmm. or encouraged not to talk or use the mm-hmm. the stage as a as too much of a, a soapbox for their opinions because each of them came out and said something along the lines of oh we're you know we don't want to get political or something like that when they were kind of prompted or asked questions that might have lent, uh, led them in a political direction each of them pretty much kept it to go and vote mm-hmm. uh, uh, mostly across the across the spectrum of guests uh, a couple of them made uh, some comments I know Colomini got mm-hmm. um, got a little bit of uh, traction on social media about his comments about um, the America being led to fashion and things like that. Um, but uh, by and large, the, the guests have kept things to, to go and vote. I wonder if that is, uh, if, even if it's not a kind of a, a direction for people to not get political, as much as it is a realisation that a lot of people come to this convention perhaps to escape from a lot of the discussion that is on. And while I probably agree with you when I kind of say, well, that's kind of ignoring what Star Trek's about, mm-hmm. I certainly understand why a large f- uh, faction or section of the audience just wants to come here and have a good time and actually escape yeah. the realities of what is going what is going on. Mm-hmm. I d- I, the last thing I'll say is I thought there was an interesting comment by Ira Stephen Bear in the DS9 panel about the social episodes of Star Trek. You're saying, you know, Star Trek can be political. He goes, look, when I was in the writer's room, we would say, oh, we're not, we're not getting political because we're preaching to the choir, effectively. Uh, our Star Trek listeners and uh, Star Trek watchers know all this stuff, so let's not get political with shows. But he kind of found that each time they would have a good idea, out would come this, uh, this political show, and he would go, but we're not getting political on shows. So <laughs> I thought that was a great, uh, a great uh, encapsulation of what Star Trek is about. And no matter how much they try to just pump out entertainment, they can't help themselves. That, uh, Star Trek is a so Sociopolitical examination of uh, a life and uh, where we want it to be in the 24th century. It is truly that kind of message. And I think Kate Mulgrew distilled it the best. This is a paraphrasing, but she basically said, Trek fandom is the most astute, intellectual, forward-thinking community who challenge her specifically to be better. Another one was uh, uh, Max, who played played Rom in Deep Space Nine when he had the Ferengi panel. He literally said, Rom is a better man than me. And began crying. Yeah. And so there again is the embodiment of people who recognize what the message is. And so in that, I think we ultimately can't escape it. Now, to a degree, a little bit of that sort of, you know, flag waving, angry at, you know, different, different political parties and stuff like that can get a little bit tiring. And, and I do know of some friends who avoided George Takei's panel because they're like, well, I know precisely what he's going to say. And you know what? They were right. You know, he's yeah. going to talk about LGBTQ rights in Japanese internment, and they're like, I don't want any part in that. Fine. 
okay, cool. So the best part about the con is, is you can go somewhere else if you don't want to be a part of that. Right. That said, maybe you do like George Takei and you'd rather talk to him about Star Trek rather than the things that he's more interested in talking about. I can see that being somewhat of a frustration. But even those episodes that he was in that you want to talk about had a sociopolitical message. So yeah. really, I think if you come here for no politics at all, you might have come to the wrong place. Yeah. But before we get off on this, I also want people to know that there is the other side to this conversation that guests were, there were people I felt in the audience who were abusing the question asking privilege to get them to make a political statement. Like there are people going up there specifically with the intent to get some kind of political statement out of them. Like there was one person who went up and asked a panel full of creatives, hey, so is it true that uh, diversity is happening and women are being favored uh, instead of the actors that were on previous shows? Just when there are people trying to get trigger responses. And I feel like if that is not, it's if that is not subtly controlled or checked, that privilege might be taken away from us in the co- in the convention did you get, did you i'm just asking did you guys get asked what your question was as you were standing yes. in line? yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I was they were screened they didn't do that last year no they didn't yeah so i'm, I'm wondering what yeah i think so. they did it this year because of the things that happened last year yeah. people would go up and ask these questions yes. and it happened again anyway it, yeah. it was just it was like there are there are people who should stop doing that yeah. just so, just so that accountant who adjusts his tie every year he might not he might not get a question this year yeah because well. he asks the same question so yeah if you've gone to the con you know who we're talking right. about so moving on to the next little bit here some of the contradictions of the convention that I think are, are entertaining, and these are just sort of ideas that I want to throw out, and maybe this will be a shorter segment, but of course, coming from my political background, coming to Las Vegas is a contradiction in and of itself. Pur- purchasing things <laughs> on a mass level, spending money on frivolity and all that sort of stuff does sort of feel also like a contradiction. And I don't know, I'm one who embraces my contradictions, I think they're fine, and they have to exist, and they have to be examined. So, to sort of offset that, yeah, I bought a lot of swag and a lot of cool <laughs> stuff, but... We have know, no need for money in the, you know, in the yeah. future, but, you know, you, you're not going to get a photo up without plenty of it. And, yeah. and you know what, and fan sets is just too cool to pass up. So, here we are. Anyways... I want to just sort of ask you guys if if you see any 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 contradiction in of yourself, and then I'll kind of finish off on my end on where I see it and why I think it's okay to have those contradictions. We'll go the other way this time, Jamie. What do you think? Um, it's fine. It's fine with me. I think uh, I I can kind of get the irony. I think, um, but it's it's a kind of thing where you look at it and you say, I, I'd like to think of this as riser, effectively. So. We are understanding the society in which we currently live and we are at peace with that and creation need to make money and fan sets need to make money by giving the fans what they want. And until we live in the post-scarcity society, which we don't um, at this particular point, although perhaps maybe the leftover food from your room could uh, go towards uh, creating that particular yeah, post-scarcity thanks, thanks society. That. That. That's um, the idea. You know, then uh, until we get there, we're going to have to keep coming to uh, Las Vegas or, uh, or or a cruise ship in the middle of uh, in the middle of the Bahamas in order to get that Star Trek fix. Well, I'll speak about this briefly. But this morning, I was looking at a lot of the unused food and groceries in my room, and I mentioned to Barry, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we had a post-STLV food bank where people could just deposit all the food and groceries that were bought and they could be deposit- they could be donated to a local homeless shelter or wherever. So maybe if not this year, we'll do our best to try and get that organized next year. But speaking to the actual contradictions, not just the, the part of us going out and buying stuff and feeling good about Star Trek, but 
some of the contradictions from CBS and Paramount too, right? Like them giving us this message that Star Trek is all about the fans. We want to give everything to the fans. That's great. But when I run into a guest, I can't take a picture with them. Like the 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 little the subtle closed up things in their contract about they can't take pictures with people because they meet them. Well, if you really want us to be accessible and talk to people, and if I want to just take a picture with someone I like, that just just like blocking that off just so you can make money on a real photo op. Just on a on a side note, some one of the more interesting things I noticed was the fact that creation obviously has allowed some wiggle room from the guests themselves because mm-hmm. Doug Jones, for example, was was giving twenty dollar selfies at his autograph desk right. whereas if you want a, a photo with him you're paying a lot more than that mm-hmm. in the uh, in the photo op room to get a blank backdrop yeah. and so I think a lot of the celebrities actually have kind of more accessible ways of, of getting photos and that kind of stuff rather than the the uh, through the creation machine having having said all of that about CBS I do want to uh, give them a, a real shout out for uh, having the uh, announcement, which we'll talk about in a second, about the new Picard series yeah. right. at STLV, where I saw a lot of people saying they could have chosen to yeah. make that the announcement at yeah. a non-fan event. Right. So like San Diego was a month a month ago. Yeah, that yeah. would have been that would have got them a lot more press coverage and a lot more mm-hmm. um, you know international media, and yet they chose to do it in front of the fans, which I think was very much appreciated. Absolutely, by everyone. and I think I think that's that's. You know, we're kind of moving sort of organically into this next piece of the conversation. I, I just want to quickly go back to the contradictions really quick. One last thing that makes me excited, and I, I'm actually going to write about this, and I don't know, I might send the article to TrekCore or something like that and see what's up. But basically what I want to say about it is um, there's the core, which is what creation provides, right? There's that core. But then when you get outside of that, right, we've got Night of Diversity, we've got Gaze in Space, we've got the Fan Geeks Party, and then we've got all of these you know, charities, like you know, charities for the crib, and all of these other different groups who, who sort of come in and provide these sort of direct action kind of extra things that they sort of piggyback off of. And to be perfectly honest with you, the convention itself, like the actual physical, like infrastructural convention, is only a minor part of why I come here. It's the people, it's the community, and it is these good causes that mm-hmm. we can start to organize and get together on and come up with ideas for when this convention ends, which will sadly, gentlemen, be in only a few hours what um that we can that we can do that the networking that has allowed you guys to uh enrich the world with future editions of politrex you know and uh all of the excitement that awaits people listening to this podcast you know that's worth having a a stlv in just just in itself right yeah that's great but that's that's incredible and also things like night of diversity and gaze in space and i don't know a lot of people didn't hear about this but at the gold coast they had an after party for two days where you could go buy a gorn tiki and they would donate $25 to Project Wish Upon a Star. So things like that, which are, you know, you're not only having fun and getting something, you're getting to donate to something meaningful mm-hmm. that maybe we'll actually do an episode about why people attend cons and why we yeah. would attend this con. But for now, yeah, that's right. That was that was pretty exciting. And so back to, back to Picard, and I'm going to try to link this as best as yeah. I can. I think that's maybe one of the reasons why Patrick Stewart was happy to come here secretly, quickly. There is a very funny story I heard that Gates McFadden was actually um, in the loo when, and pe- fans were talking about um, Sir Patrick being here and suddenly this voice came from a stall saying what? Sir Patrick is here? And then there was a shuffling and then Gates McFadden <laughs> popped out. I can't verify the story but that apparently is what I heard. So I think also maybe for that reason 
that's uh, that's a deserving a deserving thing that that we got to hear that information first. I think you know, Space Dad came to his kids before he came to everyone else to tell us that he's on his way home. Yeah, it was. I was in the room, and so were you. We were sitting five rows away, and I think this, we all were. Yeah, yeah, and and the stage was the the theater was getting empty because they had just finished the William Shatner panel, and they're moving on to the musicians panel, which is not really what everybody is going to be there for. So people left, and we got good seats, and we sat down, and I was excited to see Michael Giacchino, but walks out. Here comes out Alex Kurtzman, and he says, "We have a new series that's about to happen, but I don't think I'm qualified qualified enough to talk about it." He points the doors and comes out Patrick Stewart. The the art, the stage erupts the roof blows off that place and they he had to calm people down for two minutes for two minutes and just take it in and after that he talks a little bit about how what star trek meant to him and what and and that he's actually watching tng now and for those reasons he's excited to make an announcement and he just says five words he says uh, or i'm sorry he says six words john luke picard will be back and the room just explodes the doors blow off everybody goes crazy and it was a beautiful moment just him being there even though it was not it was com- nobody nobody saw that coming i don't think there was anybody who i knew thought uh, hey patrick stewart's going to come in on a surprise appearance but I'll I'll come back to this, but I, I I'm excited to hear from you both. What do you what do you want the series to be, Jamie? Well, I think if we're going to talk about the politrex of this particular uh, announcement, one of the the quote that he's one of the things he said on stage uh, resonated with me, and I think I'll I'll, I'll just read out what he mm-hmm. said. I feel I'm ready to return to what comforting and reforming light he. Picard might shine on these often very dark times. And I wonder whether if the world wasn't quite how it is right at this second in time, whether we would actually be seeing Jean-Luc Picard return to the screen. And I think in some subtext, that's actually what Patrick Stewart said on stage, which is he's been watching TNG. He has, he uh, sees the, the uh, effect that a positive view of the future can have on people. And if it wasn't for that, maybe uh, maybe he wouldn't be returning because I can certainly think none of us six, eight months ago thought that it would be ever mm-hmm. a possibility for a new CBS Star Trek show starring Patrick Stewart, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just... The, I didn't the, want one. That's just... that You didn't, you didn't want one. Uh, you know, it's the stuff of fan fantasy that was considered too ludicrous, I would have mm-hmm. thought. Most people would have thought, no, that's never going to happen. Um, as for the exciting possibilities, well, look, you know... I'm excited for the possibility if this is going to be 20 years after the end of Nemesis. We now have three series worth of people and guest stars to find their way onto future episodes, right? So uh, there's a whole range of different um, different people who could be still alive mm-hmm. uh, and uh, a little older, yeah. uh, a little bit more wrinkled perhaps, yeah. a little bit, uh, you know, the spacesuits won't fit quite the same way. But uh, Some of them could find their way from the wall. Yeah, they could, they could find their way to pop into Picard's nursing home or wherever he happens to be uh, reminiscing <laughs> well, from. So I wonder if this... This is going to be Star Trek's Logan, if that's the case. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. The, you know, darkness is always sort of what what underpins a lot of our rebo- reboots, right? I mean, from Battlestar Galactica to um, to Star Trek. Now, you know, there is always that kind of embracing of, of the darker tones. So, I am sort of hopeful that what we might get out of Picard is a bit more of that hopefulness coming back to a degree, and. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think maybe that's where the Orville tried to do it, but they did it in that sort of tongue-in-cheek sort of way. I think Picard's, you know, the way Sir Patrick Stewart 
was on stage, I think, might reflect a little bit about how he's going to portray himself in the show. And that, that is with that little bit of earnestness. But at the same time, he has once again been victimized, right? You know, by Shin's on, you know, by the Borg in the past, of course, you know, coming back from what happened in the inner light and stuff like that. Picard has a lot of things to deal with. And I would like to see those things expressed. And my biggest hope is is how I responded to Cobra Kai. Uh, if you guys know the uh, the Karate Kid sequely show came out, you know, twenty years in the future. Did you see Cobra Kai win? I did see yeah. Cobra oh, Kai. Shout out to whoever the heck that yeah, was. That was you genius. Did a fine yeah. job. But anyways, I was ready to hate Cobra Kai. I was ready to be like, oh, just another another thing capitalizing on my childhood. And I do see that. Like we are in. The, the culture of nostalgia so incredibly deep at this point it, there there is no more irony it's 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 almost um, there's almost sort of a, a lewdness to the amount of, of nostalgia that we tend to to, to roll ourselves in um, and and I, I do find that a little bit exhausting I like to see new things that's why I'm excited for discovery but if they do this right, if they push forward and they continue rather than just be like, um, you know, and some old friends will show up again to help Picard on his way, I would much prefer to see Picard go, okay, you know, these things have happened, what's next? So if they have a reimagining, much like how Cobra Kai was, sure there was the fan service, sure there was a little bit of callbacks and stuff like that, but it was a new perspective, it was a new way of looking at it, you know, th- this is Johnny's story in a lot of cases. Picard lived an episodic life, right, in, in TNG. And things weren't always totally affected. You know, his his Borg experience came up from time to time. But, you know, as we've mentioned in previous podcasts, and I've heard in previous podcasts, you know, Worf can break his back one episode, and the next episode he's jump-kicking people. So I am sort of looking forward to the concept of Picard coming back and exploring some of the things that may have been left undone or some, some knots that have left, you know, left tied and for him to kind of sort of figure out. Patrick did suggest that that was on the cards. He right, said, yeah. look, he may not be the same Picard that you knew and mm-hmm. loved or, or words to that effect, which I, I don't know whether that was exciting for some people in the audience or worrying for some people in the audience, but either way, we're going to get something interesting. So uh, The Next Generation was released at the tail end of the Cold War. And in a lot of ways, they embraced that that time, the the darkness of that time, and they tried to show us how to get past it. If I was given the reins, which they never do, because come on, they're they're smarter than that. But and this might just not appeal to everyone, but maybe it's actually what we need. I want the show to be a breakdown of Starfleet. I want it to be. We are twenty years in. Picard's at the end of his road. He has abandoned Starfleet because he no longer recognizes what it has become because a, wow. it has gone through a Trumpian evolution. Because Starfleet is a metaphor for America. It's a metaphor for democracy. And if that is what they really want to show us, they should show us Starfleet completely turned upon its head and Picard having lost the same hope that we have all lost and people helping him find it, young people, people who are trying to turn the world against this this looming evil that Starfleet has become and them trying to transform it. I want I want wow, Picard to take us on that journey. That's taking the Star Trek trope of evil admirals to the absolute end. Yeah. Degree, yeah. isn't it, Shashank? Uh-huh. I think that's uh, or, or the the themes of Homefront and Paradise Lost right. from DS Nine. And yeah. uh, that's I think that's what the show should be. If they're really brave and they want us to give us something, show us how Starfleet is vulnerable. Because America thought we thought it was invulnerable in, because of those ideals, but Trump happened in spite of it, and everything that followed happened in spite of it. And he's coming back because that happened. So, if logically for me, it should it should conclude to where Starfleet's great. 
but really what it is is the the fire inside us and that's what i want the show to be and i want picard to be wow. the vehicle that takes us through that okay yeah. you know that is sort of a really really good good point and just to sort of distill that and to even just to make sure i understand send in your spec script yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well no and it's true was it fukuyama i believe his name who said when the berlin wall felt that this is the end of history and that is when that is when trek next generation comes out it, during the quote-unquote end of history and we've realized that no actually there is no such thing as the end of history there is no no end of the struggle and and that would be a really good way of looking at Picard, yeah. and that would be a show I would watch if we examine it from there. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the never-ending struggle, there are a lot of people who um, who have come out of their shells at this con, yeah. and I have been excited to see that. Of course, I have my own anxieties and this and that, and we all express them differently. I mean, I, I get pretty giddy and zip around, and I ended up standing up Jamie one night and felt bad about that. No worries. Feel free. <laughs> Thank you for being on the show, Jamie. Feel free. Yeah, no, happy to be here. Yeah. But, you know... You're lucky I'm not still at some bar waiting yeah. for you to show up, Barry. Yeah. yeah. Where's Barry? Yeah, What's where's going Barry? On? It's been it four Canadian? days. Is he on Canadian yeah. time now? Yeah. Yeah. No. But it, he was getting sick. That's fine. Yeah, I was yeah. busy. I was busy. He was busy in. vomiting into a bucket. I'm quite happy if he doesn't show up then. Yeah. But anyways, what I what I'm really excited about is the fact that, you know, there are a lot of people who who spend a lot of a lot of money and a lot of their own sort of emotional capital to come out here and uh, and express themselves. And I do have to say that coming here does feel like coming home. And and like I've said to a lot of people, the the con could be in Minot, North Dakota for all I care. It's the people I come for. And the amount of people who I've seen, who I know of, who I have a relationship with, knowing their their fears and anxieties and seeing them approach others and engage and uh, engage themselves in just the activity of being here is so incredibly important. I think that's a really social aspect that I'm always so very excited to see and to and to have. And just I don't know, there's a there's a, a jokey statement at the end of the Streetcar Named Desire episode of The Simpsons where they shout, "A stranger's just a friend you haven't met." And, and I do have to say. Being in line at the uh, the Rekha Sharma or the George Takei photo ops we went to, I was talking with everybody, and it was you know it was just great to see, and and it's something that you don't classically classically get. Yeah, incredible things have happened just because at STLV I got to go up to people and say hi, just saying hi. The whole reason Polytrix exists, or at least I exist with it, is because Barry was sitting next to me at Ibar one night, and I said hi, and we started talking, and we talked for an hour, but. It's it's also in, interesting because I'm an extrovert. It's easy for me to do that. I've met people here who genuinely have trouble just going into a crowd. and But yet they brave it because they want to be part of this. Uh, there are people who wrote online, hey, I have anxiety. Don't say hi to me. I will freak out. Yeah. Please leave me alone. But in spite of that, they come and they sit down and be here because they want to be in the presence of something greater than themselves. So no matter how you identify, and often I think, oh, I'm a minority. I have things hard. And then I meet people who identify as transsexual, people who identify as gay. And I see some of the things that they have to deal with, even in this Khan, where everything is supposed to be all accepting and tolerant. And it's it's difficult for people. And I, for one, appreciate that I got to meet them and be their friend and hang out with them in spite of all that. I think this is... This is a group of people, generally speaking, that if you are going to test the boundaries of those kind of things that that, uh, that you struggle with, this is possibly uh, one of the 
best groups of uh, of six thousand people that you will uh, you will find around the world to be doing that in. I think. Yeah. yeah. Just sort of the under underlying aspect of Star Trek is a better future, and my big thing is you know that better future will never actually be given. It has to be built. It has to be taken. We have to actually act. Aside from all the contradictions that the con has, I think that's the underlying message of, of us all coming here in, in the end is the fact that this gives us an opportunity to live or at least sort of dip our toe in what that world could possibly be. Can, can I just say how excited I am about where Star Trek actually is at this particular moment mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, <laughs> a couple of years ago. What was this convention? We had the we had the fiftieth um, anniversary mm-hmm. of Star Trek, but uh, and I can't remember if at that particular time Discovery had been announced for that 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 con would have been around that time, I think. But even a year before, we are celebrating a franchise that last appeared on television, you know, at the close of you know early in the two thousands with the end of Enterprise. Uh, sure, you'd had the the reboot movies. They were but kind of flagging a bit. Yeah, but they're kind of flagging with the last one. I don't think made as much money as everyone wanted. It was and a nostalgia fest. Yeah, effectively, you go to one of these things and the gold gold people are sitting there and, and they're remembering DS9 and Voyager and, and, and the original series and Next Gen, and it was very backward looking. And now I think Discovery, like it or not, has given Star Trek a shot in the arm and the energy and the enthusiasm for what is to come with Star Trek, I think, was is the number one thing I've taken away from this convention, which is new people, new attitudes. The watching the the uh, panel with the bridge crew, mm-hmm. so you've got you've got people who are new to to Star Trek, and they didn't get much play in the first season, but you could tell from one of the answers of one of the the panels that they're going to get some play. They're excited to be part of a franchise that is about changing culture and changing society and projecting a, a positive view of the future. And now we've got a new series with uh, with Patrick Stewart, uh, and, and there were other things that have been announced for mm-hmm. Alex Kurtzman. Yeah. So things have never looked better for Star Trek having a role to play in the cultural conversation uh, in the last 10 years than right now. Am I wrong about that? Absolutely. I'm, a, I'm not a con veteran. This is my second convention. But last year, I... I did not see a whole lot of children. This year, I saw a lot of kids. I saw a lot of kids either in Discovery uniform or carrying Discovery toys. People who are finding somewhere. So I don't know what their parents are showing them, what parts of Discovery they're seeing, but they recognize who the Discovery people are. They recognize everything about Star Trek. I think it's going the way of that other star franchise where we're actually getting with this new announcements and the new expansion of the franchise with books, comic books and video games and the whole online community and this new Star Trek course that they announced. With the solo movie, maybe they're heading in the opposite direction, (laughs) I think, at this particular point in time. So my sister was wandering around. I'm here at the con with my my sister. We grew up watching Star Trek. She was wandering around last night. Uh, and she got bumped into by a person who said, oh, you're, you're wearing a lanyard for this. Uh, is there a Star Trek convention on here? And she goes, yeah, 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 we're, we're doing this thing. And he said, oh, he said, uh, but you're a young person. What are you? <laughs> this is apparently his question. He said, what, what are you doing at yeah. it? I, I would assume that it would be just all old people. Yeah. And uh, and he said, oh, well, I like Star Trek. Maybe, maybe, can I get a ticket for tomorrow? So, yeah. um, you know, there, there, it was exciting to see, um, yeah, that there is uh, you know, pun alert, a next generation that Star Trek is now uh, appealing to, which is so clear at this kind of... And I'm very excited about all the discovery that people are doing. <laughs> Thank you. Your turn, Barry. <laughs> across yeah, Star Trek. We need a... 
<laughs> the mycelial network. Yeah. That, well, I don't yeah, know. I just, right. you yeah. just learned it out. Yeah, that's yeah, well, that's what you were talking about before, right? The mycelial ne- ne- network, network of people. Network of people. Yeah. 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 That, that we all connect. That we all connect. Yeah. And, so, and people coming out of their shells and living in an alternate universe. So yeah. there, there's a panel coming up, gentlemen. So I, I think it's time we. Uh, I think it's time we say uh, uh, farewell to our our lovely listeners and uh, just that that this con has been a great experience for us and I very much look forward to continuing this conversation throughout the rest of the year and of course this con always ends up being the milestone for us so from the three of us here uh, Shashank, Jamie and myself Barry, we'd like to uh, thank you very much for listening to us, we hope if you did go to the con that you enjoyed it and if not that you lived vicarious through, vicariously through us, so with that I'll say live long and prosper, and onward to start society and start exploiting.